Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's 8 floors up. That's like 8 times 8. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. Hey guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Freeman. I'll be joined shortly by my co-host, Alan Sterk. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. We'll be talking about the Falcons in the playoffs with our friend, Falcons fan, comedian, Jason Tebow of Punch Drunk Sports. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's playoff time. That means it's winner go home time. And just like we got you locked on Falcons, SeatGeek has you locked on playoff tickets. SeatGeek is the easiest way to find tickets for these last few games of the year. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest games of the year, and it doesn't get any bigger than this postseason. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get those guaranteed seats you want for great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to buy tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or next weekend or any game this postseason. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck, too. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab, click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOFALCONS. That's L-O-F-A-L-C-O-N-S. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app. And enter promo code LO Falcons today. Rise up, fellas. Rise up. <laughs> well, we want to welcome you I back feel like to the every show. Every time we talk, <clears throat> I'm glad to be back. It's one of my favorite pods to do. And I feel like every time we talk, it's like really hopeful in August or September. And then this time of year, we're like, yeah, this fell apart, that fell apart. But man, I feel really confident uh, going, in, going into these playoffs. Yeah, I think last year at this time we were like, maybe they'll sign Martellus Bennett, maybe Deshaun Jackson. Now it's like, oh, we can right. talk about saying. That is the last talk we had. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is the last talk we had. So I mean, now what I is don't it? Want either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it feel like? You know, because like this summer when we talked to you, I know Alan and myself weren't as optimistic about this season. You you, you seemed a little bit uh, feeling good going into that show. I think maybe we brought you down a little bit, but. What is it? Is it how does it feel to be a little bit vindicated, at least partially? We, you know, we haven't gotten to the top of the mountain quite yet, but um, you know, the expectations for the last couple of years have been, you know, winning seasons, playoffs, and now we're finally here. Yep. What does it feel like? I mean, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I, I still, as a Falcons fan, I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop. Um, but I don't feel. I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like Dan Quinn's defense is coming around. Keanu Neal has become one of my favorite Falcons, and he is the most underrated safety in the NFL. That guy lays the wood. He's, he's yeah. got to have a highlight reel of hits this year. Um, and I'm telling you what, I, I love our defense. I love what Vic Beasley's done. I love what Keanu Neal's done. I love what Brian Poole, who's undrafted, came out of nowhere. He was in the same secondary as uh, Keanu, has filled in great. Um, I think our, our whole secondary is stepped up with Trufant gone. I mean, I think we're going to be in shootouts. I don't think we're going to beat anybody like we beat the Rams. Uh, <laughs> I think every Falcon game of this playoff run, and let's hope it's three games long, um, I think you can take the over. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we found ways to win, man. Uh, I think the greatest free agent signing that we did and what changed our whole season round was getting Mac under center. Getting Mac at center. It alleviated so many problems that we had last season, and all of those problems 
were three to five to seven point losses. And just not having that veteran leadership at center um, and not having to worry about that position, our red zone turnovers went away, uh, minus, I think, two. I, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I feel very uh, hopeful. And I know we'll talk, and I just have that feeling. We'll talk in a month, and I may have a gun in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, like, I don't know. What are you? What are you guys feeling? So what are you, What are your guys' feelings about this? I think I, think I think I said they were going to be ten and six or eleven and five is what I was hoping for, and I think we set the over under on team sacks around thirty five. Beasley got half of that on his own practically, and um, so now same question to you guys. Going back hindsight, how do you guys feel about the, the season and now this run? Well, I'll let you go. I, I think it's very open right now, given that Dallas is kind of young. Green Bay's defense is pretty fragile. Seattle's all beaten up. I think losing Earl Thomas was bigger than any of us imagined. So as it's been all season, no one's really a true favorite. And I think when you have the Falcons, who are averaging almost 34 points a game, anything's possible. This team could clearly put points. Weather's not going to be a factor. The offensive line's stable, so it's really on Matt Ryan and his weapons to deliver. Because I don't think – look, sure, Seattle – if they, which I think they'll play in the next round, they could bring some pressure. But at the same time, you saw how the Falcons played in that second half when they first met. It, Ryan looked great in that second half. So, yeah, I'm very hopeful for the playoffs. It's just, once again, the defense and how they match up with Dallas. Because one thing I think, obviously, we talked about the secondary, but it seems like during this four-game winning streak, they haven't <laughs> really yeah. been tested against the run. Because you notice they're up 17, 20 points by the second quarter. And, and now, yeah. That's a great point. Now they got to throw. Yeah, exactly. Teams basically abandoned the run. So now when the game gets competitive, and look, I know Seattle's not the greatest running team, but look, Wilson's going to be healthy. They use some read options. So I really want to see how this run defense comes together because they haven't been tested a month, literally. Like, Falcons are just blowing out every team. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you are assuming it's going to be Seattle. Because I kind of feel that way, too. But I just want to see if that's what you think it's going to be Seattle and Atlanta and we get our revenge on the worst pass interference no-call of the season. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to put any stock in Detroit at this point, especially with Stafford's injury. Yeah, I think right, Detroit yeah. will be a little bit more competitive. You know, I wouldn't completely write them off as, as far as making it an interesting <laughs> yeah. game, but it's probably most likely that Seattle's going to pull it out. I think now, it's a matchup you want, right, Jason? Like, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers at some point, but I assume Green Bay is the one team you really don't want to run into. I don't want to get in a shootout with Green Bay. Yeah. I do not. I'm a, I, I would rather – and here's the other thing that I would love because I'm sick and tired of all this cowboy talk. I'm sick <laughs> of it. It, it, it. I think they're overrated. 27th. 27th. Easiest – uh, uh, schedule on, on schedule, yeah. Twenty seventh hardest schedule of thirty two teams. Five of the teams under the twenty fifth are in the playoffs. Only in the top ten are us and Seattle. So we've been facing uh, uh, more high octane offenses, better caliber teams than Dallas. I feel like Dallas is. I feel like they've had twenty home games this year. And they've all been on Sunday night or Monday night. I feel like they've just get anointed. They were, you know, they had five wins and then they got anointed. I would love to go into Dallas and beat them. But more than that, I want the Giants to take care of Green Bay for us because I don't want to face them. And then I want the Giants to go to Dallas and beat them. And if they do, that'll be the three times that they have beaten them this year. And that would be all three of their losses. Yeah, because I don't really put much stock into Philly because that game was meaningless. So, And just to lose to a division rival three times in the same year, that's got to be the biggest kick in the nuts. Yeah, like the... Especially when that's your only three losses. They would be undefeated if it wouldn't be for the Giants. Yeah. yeah was it one and... of those years that the uh, Steelers went to the Super Bowl? They beat the Ravens like three times in a row, and those were like the two best teams in the AFC yep. or something like that? Yeah, I can't remember that. Maybe 2008. Because that's when they beat uh, Kurt Warner and Bolden and Fitzgerald. So what a combo that was too, Bolden Fitzgerald. Yeah, underrated well, tandem. Underrated tandem. Well, you remember they eliminated the Falcons Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, yeah. mostly because of those two guys because we couldn't cover them. 
Chris Houston. There are only two. There are two. All right. There's two <laughs> pass interferences that I can't get over in my Falcon, you know, history of loving the Falcons. NFC Championship game, Niners against Roddy White. That mm-hmm. would We would have won that game. And then this Seattle game. And I want revenge against Seattle. I want Seattle to come to the Dome, and I want to kick their asses. I want to do to them what we did to the Rams or one of those where it's like, you know, I want. Who, I don't want Julio to even play in the second half. <laughs> so you want to see some Matt Chubb? <laughs> I'd love to see – I would love to see match up for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. I don't want to change anything. I don't want to put it out there. I want to make it very clear. I want to see Matt Schaub only because we are up and Matt Ryan is healthy. That's it. How <laughs> I don't cool want Matt is Ryan benching. I don't want to. Yeah. How cool would it be, though, Dan Quinn's first playoff game going against his old team? You know what? I didn't even think about that, bro. That's a great point. Wow. And that, you know what? That's got to be somewhat advantageous for us. Yeah. And Seattle. because think, they I mean, and they oh. got uh, uh, Seattle just signed uh, Hester. Yeah, I wonder about that. I don't want to. We're big Devin Hester fanboys here, so I don't know. I think he's still Yeah, I, I would. The last thing I want to see is him get a punt return or kickoff uh, in the Georgia Dome. But I'd rather face him than Lockett or who? That's the kid that they had, right? That kid seems more dangerous than a thirty-seven-year-old, thirty-six-year-old uh, Devin Hester. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just think the difference, if they play Seattle, like, Tezum Trufon covered Doug Baldwin throughout the whole game. He held him to, like, four catches for 28 yards. I think if they match up, Alford and Baldwin would be the big matchup. Because, obviously, Jimmy Graham's going to get his catches because yeah. he's Jimmy Graham, and it's going to be very important yeah. to contain Baldwin. Yeah, we're going to – yeah, I think uh, – who's, who's going to be on him? Uh, not DM D- won't be on uh, him, will he? On Jimmy Graham, I think they'll rotate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You I might see a little Keanu Neal. Yeah, they'll see some safeties too. Yeah, because yeah. I think I remember Aaron. I because that was Jones and Campbell's first game back from injury, if you remember when they played Seattle. I think I correct, remember yep. being at Campbell's. I didn't. I didn't. I thought Jones maybe got the because remember they played Denver and they had to start Reynolds and Ishmael. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I forgot about it. I blocked yep. all the Leroy yep. Reynolds p- games out of my mind, yeah. <laughs> but, probably out of his mind, too. <laughs> Jason, uh, one player we haven't talked about that nobody expected to have this much of an impact is Taylor Gabriel. What did you make of him so far? Loved him. Loved him. You know who he reminds me of is the Eric Metcalf days. Oh, that's your wheelhouse there. This guy the you could find ways to get this guy the ball. I mean, swing pass that little that little screen that they throw to him. Man, you see it line up, and when he, I'm like, he gets past the linebackers, he's gone, man. He's had such a fun year. He was a fantasy pain in the ass, though. Because <laughs> I, oh, the waiver you know, wire? I, I didn't. I got him on the waiver wire, but I also had Sanu, and one of them would have a good game, and the other one would do nothing. Yeah. I always guessed wrong. <laughs> Well, if you had asked me advice, I would have picked taking Gabriel every week. I mean, you look at the – I mean, Matt – oh, by the way, Matt Ryan, uh, highest quarterback rating in the NFL. The last five people to have that were MVPs. Wow, Cam Newton had that high of a rating last year? Because you always think what Cam is completion percentage is down. It might affect it, but – Obviously, Cam was amazing last year. Well, no, I, I don't think that's what Jason means. I think he means like when no, you, yeah, yeah. When you look if, at the rankings, yeah, if you were not yeah, the last five years, the, but if the, you, oh, okay, my bad. Yep, yeah, yeah, the last five quarterbacks that had the high that were MVPs also had the highest quarterback rating, and fourteen different players caught touchdowns, which is also a new record in the NFL. Fourteen different players, Matt Ryan, threw touchdowns too. So it sounds like you're not buying into the uh, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady for MVP debate. I don't like – I mean, you know what? Uh, Aaron Rodgers, no. No, you can't have a bad half of the season and then bounce back and then get the MVP. I don't believe. But I'll tell you one thing about Tom Brady that I didn't realize that was – honestly, you guys know I work at Red Zone. It's the most shocking stat that I have seen. Up until this season, the record for least interceptions thrown by a team was five. The Patriots threw two interceptions all season. Brissett, zero. Garoppolo, zero, and that includes their fill-in time, those four-game suspension or three games or whatever it was. 
Tom Brady threw two interceptions in 12 games. His backups threw zero. That, you got to go, man, that's an MVP season. <laughs> but you do, to... do you give the guy an MVP who's suspended for league violations? That's the thing. You know, do, 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 they fa- do, do you factor that in? Because I probably would. Yeah, and I feel like New England had a very soft schedule for for some yeah. reason. I, like, I don't remember them playing a lot of great opponents. So I don't know if they take that into consideration. You know what's crazy? I think the last QB to throw two interceptions in a season to actually started like 10 or 12 games was Nick Foles. How crazy is that? Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's one thing Chip Kelly uh, could be proud of. I don't think there's a lot Chip Kelly can be proud of, guys. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. <laughs> How many coaches did we get fired this year? Oh, we got Chip. Lot, we got Jeff man. Fisher. I was at that game. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that Man. experience. Uh, it was great. Uh, Ari Shafir, who's a co-host of my uh, show, another hilarious comic, um, bought season tickets. And he lives in New York, so he's never here. So in August, I go shotgun on December 11th. He goes, yeah, man, you can have him. So Sarah Tiana and I went uh, to the game, and uh, it was great. I mean, it was a touchdown while we were, we were sitting in our seats, and like I, we were kicking off. How did we, you know, I had to like look up on my phone how we got the ball on the front of the kickoff and then punched it in. I think it was uh, Hardy had a quick touchdown on that, like first, second mm-hmm. play of the game. Yeah. Um, and dude, from then on, it was just, and the fire fisher chance that were going. Three different people got arrested for running out on the field. Someone did it in the first <laughs> quarter, and then all the drunk <laughs> fans are like, this game sucks. Yeah, let's go to jail. <laughs> and it was the most the fans were cheering during that game is when. You know, it's like Benny Hill music playing, and this one kid was like 15. He was just a kid. That's the one they couldn't catch. The fat, drunk guys, they caught those guys quick. This little kid, the Rams should have signed him because no one could catch this guy for about four minutes. I was just going to ask, Alan, what was the, what was, how much money did they pay for Tavon Austin? Maybe they could give it to that kid. Oh, man, Tavon Austin. I think it's like uh, four years, $40 million. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that guy has, what, nine touchdowns in four years? Or so? I don't know. He's way overpaid. Yeah. Way overpaid. I mean, any. I mean, he's so short. I mean, he really can't do anything other than like special teams. He's a pain in the ass. And um, bubble screens. You know, maybe I'll get a little bubble screen here yeah. and there. I mean, he's, I think he's no he Taylor might Gabriel. Him, him. Or, he is no Taylor Gabriel. He is no. And what about the Browns? By the way, thank you, Browns. We get the best center in the NFL, and you guys just released this guy, and he's a monster for us. Well, Scott Green, Sometimes coordinator. Sometimes it's just a change of scenery, man. Oh, no kidding. That's right. Man, I don't want to lose him. Uh, man, when you have a historic offense, all these teams are going to look at Shannon. It's like, oh, you led a team to score 540 points this season because there's so many bad offenses in the NFL. So you look at yes. Denver. And, and you look Jackson. at the Rams where they got that young quarterback. Yeah. He's so good with quarterbacks. You're like, oh, God, I don't want to lose him. And it's finally an offensive coordinator that just – you know, him and Ryan are clicking now. The whole thing is clicking now. I hope we do something special and he realizes he doesn't want to leave. Yeah, it's it's hard because you look at Shan. He seems like a very ambitious guy. Comes from the Shanahan family tree. So yeah. I just wonder. He's been probably wanting to be head coach. But, yeah, you got to see. Probably because, his whole life. Yeah. And some of these teams are impatient, though. If, like, if Landon makes a Super Bowl, are they going to wait till February? I don't know. Yeah, because you got to remember when Arthur Blank waited for Dan Quinn, that was people that, you know, that certainly had a lot of people in Atlanta very worried because uh, I know Alan was one of those uh, Rex Ryan fanboys. Um, Shaking my head. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know, like no, you know, no, nobody wants to sit there and wait for this guy when there's like, oh, you feel like the need to swoop in. So my hope is the Falcons go really far and, and sort of that scare some teams off because they feel like they have to get the hot name or, or whoever, you know, with the jets that hiring round, it was go out, steal Todd Bowles from out from under the Falcons, Buffalo, you know, yeah, hurried up and, and hired Rex Ryan and, you know, Dan Quinn fell in our lap and, you know, hopefully we'll be, uh, playing football in February while Rex Ryan just got fired and, and Todd Bowles, you know, is basically on the hot seat. Barely, going into the, barely kept his job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, he kept his job with the with the understanding you are starting the preseason on the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because they invested so much money into 
30-year-olds, like you look at Forte and Marshall and Revis and Cromartie, and Cromartie's not even on the Revis, team anymore. Yeah, Revis and Crow, they're like, well, let's have the same tandem we had six years ago or whatever. It's like, <laughs> that ain't the same tandem. <laughs> they got to figure out where they're going to trade Sheldon Richardson, who was on Snapchat doing crazy things. Might be in Atlanta. Yeah, Signing those two back and trying to rekindle the old days is like going to see a Bill Cosby concert right now and be like, this guy used to be funny, right? This should be good. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy, though. Yeah. Two, two years ago when Atlanta needed a head coach, I w- they, there was this rumor out that Rex Ryan and Mark Trestman wanted to work together. And I was thinking, all right, maybe those two could come to Atlanta. And now none of them are employed. A lot of coaches that got fired this year. Yeah, and we got and I and I was saying this at that Rams game when I was there with uh, Sheratiana. I go, we it was at one point I think it was maybe forty nine to nothing, maybe 40, 42 to nothing before they even scored. Um, and you know I wanted a I wanted a seventy to nothing, and I had the Falcons defense in my fantasy league, and oh they had two God. defensive touchdowns and a special team. So I had like twenty eight points out of them. So I'm like I was rooting for the shutout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know we bench everybody and then you know they got a 30 touchdown or two um oh, but, got... you know fisher was fisher was fired that night i believe or maybe the next morning yeah and um it, i was i was joking that had julio uh, there was like three great starters that didn't play that game had julio played in that game they'd have fired fisher in the third quarter it have been <laughs> 80 to nothing at halftime <laughs> Yeah, Julio and Sanu didn't play, I remember. Sanu, that's right. It was Julio and Sanu. So we did that with Gabriel and then Aldrich Robinson or whoever. And and uh, um, uh, who's a little white guy that I love so much? As, uh, uh, oh, Nick Williams? Receiver. <laughs> Nick Williams, dude. That guy, you will forget about him for two weeks, and he will make the most important goddamn catch. And you're like, I for- thank God this guy. <laughs> I mean, he's not a 10-catch, 109-yard, and touchdown guy. But he is a two very important third and thirteen catch guy. Mm-hmm. I got to ask Jason since obviously you were there. How weird was it when they started letting up fireworks when they scored their first touchdown? It was like forty-one oh, to seven. That was hilarious. Well, the first time they did it, they uh, lit the fireworks off, uh, but there was a penalty flag, so it gets called back, and it, it, they didn't light the fire because the guys were like late lighting them, or it takes a second to light them. So they call the touchdown off. Everybody starts booing, and then fireworks start shooting. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't show that on TV, but they had their first touchdown called back on a penalty. Everyone starts booing, and then the fireworks start going off like they just scored. It was hilarious. Oh, it's a, it's a waste of fireworks. Like you know, I don't. A lot of times when I'm at games and stuff like that, and like there's a bunch of silliness going on like that, I go, "This is just for the kids." <laughs> this is for the people there with their eight-year-old and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was hilarious. That that one was even funnier, though, because, it's you know, it's 42 to 7 or 42 to 6 now. And then they take the 6 off, and then they start lighting fireworks. Like, thank God, we're still getting shut out. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that franchise as a whole has a lot of work to do. Dude, and they have no fan base here. I was, and to all Falcon fans that listen to this podcast, and if anybody were in L.A., I loved – Walking into that stadium, it looked like we were going to a home game. Really? Half of that stadium was red. Half of that stadium was red. Half of it. Wow. And and all of us were the ones in good moods. All those Rams fans were, like, holding their head down. And I I, I was shocked at the number of Falcon fans that were there. Now that's the problem L.A. has. It's like everybody here is from somewhere else. So, you know, there's – Bar Eagles bars and Bears bars and Browns bars and you know you where you go and just watch your team, you know because everybody is here in LA even though they're diehard fans of somewhere else. And I was wondering if that's how that stadium has been. All I think they only had six home games in LA this year. They did one in LA or one in London, but I wonder if like every game is just oh man half this place is Eagles fans, half the place is you know uh, uh, Arizona fans or whoever they play because. Falcons were well represented at that, and uh, right when the game when the game ended, Sarah and I were like, "Let's go walk down to the tunnel because we were kind of close to the tunnel." But and we'll say stuff to all the Falcon fan- players, and then we'll heckle all of the Ram players you know, just for a fun at the end of the game. So everybody's yelling everything. The only two people that I yelled at uh, was uh, Bosher and Matt Bryant. 
<laughs> just because I'm like, nobody yells at these guys. <laughs> so I was like, wait, wait a punt, bro, wait a punt. And he looked up towards the stands like, who the hell is yelling, wait a punt? <laughs> nobody ever yells anything to me. And by the way, Bryant, what a great year. Love the guy. He looks like he's 65 years old with his helmet off. <laughs> that goatee and, and you know what? As long as he has goatee, as long as he <coughs> keeps doing what he's doing, let him kick till he's 50. I don't care. The guy had a great year. I was never – my knees were never knocking when he was going to kick. And we, this is a season where we saw many games, including one of ours, uh, decided by a PAT. That Chiefs game just broke my heart. That Chiefs game broke my heart. That's a game we should have won. Yeah, it's a good thing they only lost five games though this year. And think about it. Like, it's hard. It's you're going to get mad, but at the same time, like, this team they haven't lost a game in the double digits this year. Their biggest loss was to Philadelphia yep. by nine. Mm-hmm. It goes to show you they were basically in it every week. So, mm-hmm. I think that's a testament yep. to how good this offense is, and and the defense kind of held up a bit. Yeah, I mean, the only games that really upset me of our of our losses, I mean. The rant, uh, Seattle game, I mentioned that earlier. I'm still not totally mentally straight about that. I'm a little upset still because we won that game. I feel like we gave Tampa that easy win, and I feel like we gave that Chiefs game away too. Well, the only thing that couldn't happen is him return that. But San Diego. Uh, yeah, yeah that that I too. thought San Diego was awful. Yeah, that we gave that. I mean, I feel like we gave away three losses, and – one of them was uh, a horrible penalty call. I, I mean, we really could be – you could argue a case, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a fanboy. You could argue a case that we could have the same record or even better than Dallas. And who would have thought with that schedule? Does Dallas, does, well, exactly. And does Dallas make you guys nervous? Uh, based on – because Atlanta's front seven's kind of small, and obviously Dallas, Zeke Elliott, and the offensive line. Because I think what Dallas might do is something similar to Philadelphia did. They're going to control the clock, pound the ball down Atlanta's throats, and it's going to be on the Falcons' defense to get off the field on third down. Well, they have to keep Elliott from gaining four or five yards a carry, which is obviously very difficult. So That's yeah, I think, the only thing that worries yeah. me, Elliott. Because they're going to score. Elliott's the only thing that worries me. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta's going to score on Dallas's defense. It's the, the question is, will Dallas's offense be able to keep Atlanta's be their best defense and keep Atlanta's offense exactly. off the field? Keep if they can keep Ryan off the field. That's the only thing that scares me. And they are built to do that. That I mean, I think the both of you as a running back tandem could probably total seven hundred yards behind that offensive line. Yeah, I think I could get seven hundred. If Darren McFadden at this point in his career can get a thousand, you know, last year, I think I can get seven hundred. Yeah. Me being out of shape. So I mean they're built they are built to do exactly that. They're built to be they, in a way, that is a team that is built to build to beat us. Not uh, by circ- by coincidence. Not like they've been. Well, we got to build this team to beat the Falcons. But <laughs> there's one thing I don't want is a team with a big offensive line, a running back that can get, take 35 carries if he has to, and we lose, you know, 17, 13 or something like that. And time of possession is just, you know, th- they have the ball two thirds of the time. That's how we lose. That's the only way we lose in the playoffs. Somebody has time of possession like two thirds to one third, and we lose by like six or seven. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to blow us out in the playoffs. You can write that down, name this that episode, name this episode that. I don't care. No one is blowing us out in the playoffs. We may lose. We ain't getting blown out by anybody. I think that's accurate. Yeah. It might be extra heartbreaking, but what are you going to do? I mean, it, it, that's that's being a Falcon fan, man. It's extra heartbreaking, but I mean, we've Hello. been there before. I've been heartbroken before. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to get any worse than uh, only scoring two points. I'd rather have that, you know, be in the game and have that heartbreak than you know watching the team only get a safety. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. talked about the no losses, uh, Jason. What was your favorite win from this season? I know you were at the Rams game, but obviously there were some more entertaining games with the Falcons. Um, I liked beating Carolina. I like what we did to Carolina. You know, which that's one the team that we've been. Both of them, actually. Oh. Uh, the, the first one was worse. The first one was just like, oh, yeah. But the second one, when, uh, 
you know, you're kind of like, man, I'll, we needed the second one. Mm-hmm. You know, the second one was, you know, going like, hey, man, we could had we lost that and then we lose to the Saints, you know, we you could argue a case we'd be the sixth seed right now and not have a bye week. Um, going to some cold weather town or something, you know, we'd be going to Seattle. And playing in Seattle in this time of year in, in the playoffs is a whole different ballgame than them coming to us. Yep. Yeah, um, so that Car- uh, beat, beating Carolina was great, man. Uh, I hate the Saints. I I hate the I hate our whole division. <laughs> um, but uh, I would say Carolina. What about you guys? I really enjoyed the Green Bay one just because it was Ryan against Rodgers and uh, Atlanta. They were four and three at the time. They were really close to going four and four, which would have been pretty deflating yeah. because they started out four and one then they lost to seattle then they lost to san diego they had that big game against green bay and it's like to be four and four then they had a short week going to tampa it's like this season could go south really fast and what do you know they beat green yeah. bay Sanu scored that touchdown then they destroyed tampa on thursday night yeah denver was yeah, a, and, a big one for me denver too yeah i forgot about that yeah denver was great and i you know to your point about the green bay win I feel like that was the turning point of the season. That was where, like, are we going to be the same Falcons that we always get accused of being, or are we going to step up and uh, right this ship, correct what's wrong? And some of those losses, I mean, the Charger game, we can't blame anybody but ourselves. That Chiefs game, we can't blame anybody. You know, that's a look-in-the-mirror situation. Seattle game, yeah, you got to gripe about that. Um, But – Instead of letting those loss, I mean, we could have easily gotten smoked by Green Bay and then came on a short week and then lost to Tampa again. And we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now because you guys know I would have killed myself. There's no point in calling him. He's no longer among the living. <laughs> well, hey, I think yeah, your so Cub, I, didn't your Cubs win the World Series during that time? I think you'd be all right. I was saying that. I was saying on Punch Drunk that I apparently at some point in time made a deal with the devil because – Cubs won the World Series, and then uh, Falcons are making this great run. I'm like, if the Falcons win the Super Bowl, I absolutely made a deal with the devil, and you can blame me for Trump being president. <laughs> <laughs> and I was probably drunk in some bar, and I was like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever. If, and, but the Cubs and the Falcons? Okay, yeah, I'm in. I don't care what, whatever it is. You know, <laughs> I don't recall saying that, but that's probably the way it went. Aaron, you mentioned the Denver game before. Did you enjoy it just because that was like Vic Beasley's coming out party? Yeah, that, w- that was that was reason number yeah. one. But like for me, the Denver game because three and a half, three and a half that game. Yeah, three and a half sacks that game, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that game was big for me because like basically, you know, this season I thought was the offense, you know, carrying the team. And at certain point, I was thinking, okay, you know, they started off fast scoring a bunch of points early in, in September and whatnot. But we kind of saw that last year, and then they sort of petered out as sure the season did. wore on. And so – I actually had that feeling. I was like, mm, I've, felt, I've felt this before. I'm not going to go crazy yet. And then w- to play Denver, and, and at that time, you know, most people thought Denver, either them or Minnesota, had the best defense in the league. And even though it wasn't as if, you know, it was probably one of our lower scoring games other than maybe the Eagles game, I think. But, like, to to, to see Kyle Shanahan utilize Tevin Coleman in that game, because I thought Tevin Coleman was the MVP of that game. I know Vic had a great game. But I thought those three big catches that Tevin Coleman had that set up scores were the difference between yep. us winning that game. And that told me right then that, you know, this year's offense is different from last year's offense. To be able to go up against defense that caliber and and figure out the one thing that would be create that mismatch, which was Tevin Coleman against those linebackers, was probably the first time I was like, oh, this season really is going to be different than, um, you know, what I thought it was going to be. And then, you know, they were able to continue that momentum throughout the rest of the season offensively. Coleman's tough. And he's, he also fixed his uh, – he had a fumbleitis last year. I mean, he cost us a couple games his rookie season, and that's gone away, which feels good. I love our backfield. I think this year uh, was the first Falcons season of a 50-plus yard touchdown run since Michael Turner. Yeah. Oof. It feels like ages ago. It does. Because it, I mean, it, it, really <laughs> it was. It was. Cause, yeah, exactly, bro. Because it was. I and still want to live in two those guys get back. Because you remember last year, Tevin Coleman was about to have like a 65 yarder, and somebody caught him and popped the ball out from behind. He fumbled, and we lost the ball. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Minnesota. Um, and so think it's been Barr. so long since, you know, we're so used to the Julio bomb and the and the bomb to Roddy White all those years, but we haven't had a backfield that can just turn it loose. And this year, those guys did a one hell of a job back there. You know what's kind of crazy? I'm a little shocked by that stack, considering Anton Smith had all those big plays. I'm shocked none of them were 50-yard runs. I mean, think about it. Oh, you, That is true. I mean, a couple of those were in the preseason, and a couple of those were kickoffs. Mm-hmm. He had some screens. Uh, and yeah. I think all of them were just catching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. so, man, Anton Smith, for like five weeks, what a big play throw he was. Yeah, I think the last. And then just nothing. And then nothing. <laughs> was he with Tampa for a while, maybe? Yeah, yeah. He played I, against Atlanta. He, he fumbled in that game. I yeah, I was I was very yeah. nervous in that Thursday night game because I figured he was going to break a couple of long ones on us just as payback. But that yeah. happens. That's what I'm worried about with Hester. I would love to see Hester get another punt return or kickoff return for a touchdown, another special teams touchdown. But you know, let's make it 38-0 when he does, and <laughs> then I can cheer for it and cheer for the guy and be like, hey, because he's like one or two away from. Uh, uh, some sort of record with that, I believe, or some sort of milestone where they're like, I don't know if he'll break it now that he's not on the team. Well, it's not really Hester. I'm I'm worried about it. It's JD McKissick because oh. they they picked up um, McKissick and he actually got some playing time in week 17. And I know he was like everybody's favorite guy in the preseason. So are you a little nervous about mm-hmm. him being in that Seattle game? I'm not too nervous. Okay. I mean. It, you know, I'm not even worried about their backfield whatsoever. I'm a little worried about um, about uh, Russell Wilson getting loose. You know, scrambling quarterbacks, I feel like, for the history of our franchise, have plagued us, um, which is ironic when you think that we had probably the greatest one ever for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, that broken coverage, then he just runs for 18 yards. That, nothing makes me rip my hair out more than a third and 13 and a quarterback run for 16 yards. Uh, yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, I'm, worried about, I'm worried about that stuff. Uh, I'm not as worried about their defense as I was. They've had some key injuries there. You know who scares me? Jimmy Graham scares me. Jimmy Graham having like 89 yards and two touchdowns ain't going to be the stat line we want to read the next day because that, those are the games we lose. Tight ends have the – I mean – Titans have a tendency to hurt us too. Oh well, yeah, I think the interesting thing about that though is um, we had a, a Chiefs fan on before that game this season, and he was basically saying he didn't mind Julio getting his his numbers, but he was more concerned with the supporting cast getting theirs. And I think it's sort of similar with Seattle. Like if if Jimmy Graham gets his numbers, you know, as, as long as it, you know we can sort of keep him out of the end zone. Um, that's fine. It's you don't want Doug Baldwin, you don't want Paul yep. Richardson, you don't want Thomas Rawls or whoever else they got out there. Um, Jermaine Curse, Jermaine Curse, and like you know, the thing is, Curse, with, yeah, with Trufant when he was, you know, basically he shadowed Baldwin that first game, and you knew Trufant was going to take care of business. Alfred's played great this year, but there's still that little lingering doubt in the back of your mind that he could have one of those games. Um, you know, where he gets a bunch of penalties or he gets beat deep like he did last year in that one, uh, that first Carolina game where he just was checked out of it or something like that. So that's always a little concern, but you know, he's done more than enough. I think that to make us confident, but it's always that, you know, as you said, you're always waiting for that other shoe to drop as a Falcon fan, so to speak. Yeah. Now let's, let's play devil's advocate here. I mean, if, uh, Seattle loses, we pretty much get the winner of Detroit and uh, Green Bay, correct? Giants, Green Bay. I mean, Giants, Green Bay, that's right, that's yeah. right. If Seattle loses to Detroit, then Detroit would go to Dallas. Uh, Dallas, and then we would get, I mean, I mean, we talked about Green Bay. How do you guys feel about the Giants if, if we had to? And you could take this one. Um, you know, I think the Giants defense can give us some problems just because of how good their secondary has been and their pass rush has been um, pretty good this year. You know, they lost uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, so it's quite not to the level as it was earlier this season. So I don't feel like Matt Ryan is going to have too much trouble, but I do feel like, you know, they could sort of 
hold us under 30 points. And, and that's been a problem with this team with us being like one in four when we score under 30. But I do feel pretty confident that even uh, given our defensive issues this year, that we won't be the team that's going to let Eli Manning carve us up. It's just basically, you know, just keep Odell Beckham from taking those 10 yard slants, 60 yards. And then you, you can pretty much, you can pretty much beat the giants if you can stop that from happening. But uh, I, I think it will be a competitive game, but I do feel like the Falcons should be able to pull it out. Yeah, I would hope so. Now we've talked, uh, you got, what are the guys thoughts about uh, who comes out of the AFC? It's got to be New England, right? I think Pittsburgh's a bit of a threat, but I can't trust that defense. I just think New England, especially considering Patriots are probably going to play either the Houston or Oakland, and those teams don't have any starting caliber quarterbacks in their roster. Not Devin Car- Derek Carr's hurt, so I think Oakland's New England just, done. yeah, or it, regardless, it's just, to me, New England, they're going to be fine until the AFC Championship like they could probably play Jimmy Garoppolo against the Raiders, and they'll probably win by like thirty points. Why do you think everybody is riding off the Chiefs? Ooh, I see. I like Kansas I like City. The, yeah, I feel but, like the Chiefs. I feel like the Chiefs are the Falcons of the AFC as far as like everyone's just looking past them. I, I mean, think they, they had a similar record to us, and they did some very uh, uh, fundamentally sound team, and everyone's just like, I oh, yeah, the Chiefs. Never mind them. I think it's actually more in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's won seven in a row and Chiefs just lost Derek Johnson to a tour in Achilles. I was like one of their only good linebackers. Yeah. And you think about Le'Veon Bell, he's probably the best receiving. I think he's the best running back. But then you also have to take into account his ability as a receiver. And I don't think they have anyone that could stop him. And uh, I don't know if Peters is going to be shadowing Antonio Brown because Peters only covers the left side. Uh, you saw when – they played against Julio. Peters wasn't really tracking him, so I think if they move Antonio Brown to the other side where Peters is in, he's going to have a huge game. So it's just, man, I think it's more on Pittsburgh. But then again, Roethlisberger, I think he's had a shaky season. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is. I agree with that. I think part of it is um, people don't have as much confidence in Alex Smith um, to win big games, and it's been so long since an Andy Reid coach team was. You know, back back in the early 2000s where Eagles were basically going to the NFC Championship game every year, like, you know, that's when Reed yeah. was at his peak. But really, you know, over like the last... The McNabb days and T.O. Yeah, yeah. Over the last decade, it always seems like, you know, it's probably not a fair statement, but like the perception around Andy Reed is like, yeah, he'll win a playoff game, but when it comes to the, the big game, the AFC yeah. Championship sort of game, you know, his teams tend yeah. to choke. Yeah, maybe that's the maybe that's the thing where I feel that same sort of uh, where they're sort of the Falcons of the of the because you know you talk to any other fan other than a Falcons fan they're like yeah Matt Ryan sucks what has he ever done he's won one playoff game mm-hmm. and you're like what do you mean he sucks are you stupid <laughs> you know but then but then it does come down to that I mean that, it's about winning and people even though it's a team sport the quarterback takes the takes the brunt of that and people are like Matt Ryan and it, you know unless you're a Falcons fan or you play fantasy. You don't really see if you're a peripheral NFL fan. Matt Ryan is just the same guy as Alex Smith. Yeah, oof, yeah, that's harsh. But I guess I get what you're saying. I don't agree with that statement. Yeah, but I'm saying to the novice, that is the that's the stigma that they sort of get. Yeah, that we get, that we get, it, and it, and I feel like the Chiefs kind of get that same thing too. Yeah. I think it's fair because that, that's basically what people wrote off Matt Ryan last season. And that's one of the reasons why he's not getting as much respect uh, for the MVP vote because of, you know, the, the struggles he went through last year and, and sort of those expectations. Oh, he's a game manager and he's only good because of his supporting cast and all those sort of things that basically followed around Alex Smith, you know, since his uh, 49er days. I mean, for the most part, he had 5,000 yards. What is it? He's like, what, 20 yards away from 5,000, Matt Ryan? Yeah. What's, I know I'm, this isn't going to be accurate, but it's going to be ballpark. Like 39 touchdowns and nine interceptions or something? Yeah, about that. I think it's like 37-7, so basically the same yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, what, I, I mean, and his command led the NFL in, uh, in quarterback rating. Maybe two people threw more touchdowns than he did, uh, and I mean, come on, I, I he gets my vote. Yeah, I can't vote for Brady because of his uh, uh, suspension thing, um, and 
I mean, who else is in the running? I, definitely not Aaron Rodgers. I, don't, I hate that talk. I think he really, like, almost, like, campaigned for himself when he goes, we're not going to lose another game. And then they rattle, rattle off six in a row against the division in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, second Second <laughs> The AFC South is pretty bad. Well, I, it's understandable you forgot that the AFC South exists because that's how it is. I mean, nobody should have won that division. There should be another wild card team out of there. <laughs> Texans are gone. I mean, te- te- the two worst teams in the playoffs are playing each other. The Texans and the Raiders. Both of them would be out in the first round if they weren't playing each other. I actually think Oakland's better than Miami right now. That might be a hot take, but I don't think Miami's all that good. Well, I mean, both of them are playing with a backup quarterback. Yeah. I would definitely rather have more than um, Cook. I like Oakland supporting got past, hours though. on the clock. Oakland's like, got a fun defense. Yeah. Well, you got Cooper and Crabtree, and then that offensive great, line. Great tandem. Man, if, can you imagine if they had someone like a Le'Veon Bell or Ezekiel Elliott? Oh. He'd be the I mean, Falcons. That, that, <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Oh, uh, I, I'm rooting for Chiefs-Falcons now that we've discussed all this and I'm thinking out loud. I want a Chiefs-Falcons Super Bowl. I think another thing we should point out with the Chiefs is that they kind of went ugly. Like you noticed, I think they have the best turnover ratio in the league. They got to be like plus 16 at this point. And I think people realize yeah. like they're just not fun to watch unless it's Kelsey or Tyreek Hill making a big play. Or if Eric Berry's taking a pick six to the house, as long as it's not the yeah. Georgia Dome, of course. But, uh, but yeah, I just think Kansas City, they win a lot of games ugly and it turns people off. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have, you know, a sexy, I guess Travis Kelsey. But other than that, there's not like a, they don't have like a Julio Jones or like a, a, a guy that, you know, you want to see his face on the ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, the cover of a program, you're like, oh, wow, I guess Tyreek Hill. I mean, I guess it's better than his mugshot being on here. <laughs> or they, then get they don't have that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's thrown more touchdown passes than Cook has, and he's starting in the playoffs. So. <laughs> How hilarious was that play, by the way? Oh, my God. The Ooh. best red zone option in the league, right there, man. He, he's he's gonna make a he's a free agent after this year. Wherever he signs, he's gonna make that red zone offense ten times better. If I was if I was Tim Tebow sitting on my couch watching that game, I, it'd be hard for me to not crack open the scotch. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, you gotta be kidding me! I can't catch a break. Before, and by the way, he was the heaviest person to throw a touchdown pass in NFL history. That's a silly stat. You know who was the heaviest before that? Jamarcus, wasn't it? You are right, sir. Wow. Not J.J. Watt, not any of those guys. Jamarcus Russell. Oh, I wonder if Sam Triple would know that. <laughs> oh, believe me, he knows that staff. <laughs> I think Culpepper was up there, too. Yeah, Culpepper was also in the top five. I only saw the top five, but Culpepper was in there. Actually, like two or three of them were actually quarterbacks, which was a surprising thing to me. Yeah. Some of those guys, he just got super heavy. I remember, like, when Culpepper was in Miami, he was just not the same. Do you remember Byron Leftwich? He All of a sudden, he didn't even look like the same guy. <laughs> oh, man. Those three games in Atlanta, I don't like to remember them. <laughs> oh, man. There was, a, there was a while where you had that, like, uh, who was the um, who was the guy that was Detroit's quarterback for a while? And then he kind of came in. In the after post Vic era, Joey Harrington, um, Harrington, oh boy, I could easily forget the Harrington era. <laughs> you know, it was bad when I obviously was like, did. I obviously did. I can't remember his name. I must have forgotten. <laughs> it was bad because you know, not to go too far on the bad memories of that 07 season, but I do remember when we signed Leftwich. There, it was so bad that we thought Byron Leftwich was a savior for about two weeks there. Um, and it was sure like he was going to turn around our season just because he he was not Joey Harrington, and then you know that quickly. Yeah, I remember being like, well, um, maybe maybe this guy can show me something. Nah, Brian Leftwich was so bad that Chris Redman looked competent compared to him. <laughs> Chris Redman, that is true. Redman was up in there too. Yeah, because like, I remember how that... frustrating it is as a Falcon fan playing with Chris Redman <laughs> just because you want to stay legit. <laughs> Lost a lot of games those days, boys. A lot of games. 
that's why I think Roddy White's career is so remarkable because like his first breakout year was in 2007. He had to deal with Harrington, Redmond, and Leftwich, and I think he still had 1,200 yards. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm surprised nobody picked him up. I don't think he'll move anymore, man. I think that's just the end of the road for him. Like he just can't get open at this point. Like once you lose your speed, yeah. look at look at guys like Andre Johnson, and who am I blanking? Yeah, about? that's a Reggie good Reggie Reggie uh, Wayne's Reggie another player. Yeah, there's another one that's like an Andre Johnson though that went somewhere else and kind of couldn't get loose. Where you're like, ah, it's just too long in the tooth. Yeah, um, we, I mean, we talked. Ta- I got disconcerted. We talked to somebody this summer about that because. That was we were speculating why Roddy hadn't signed, and it's just you know their theory was it's like you see it with Taylor Gabriel and Aldrick Robinson. The league has become so specialized where you need four, yeah. five good receivers, not one or two great receivers like back in yesterday. So it's just a lot easier to get some you know some young guy like Taylor Gabriel, Aldrick Robinson on the cheap who can you know yeah. do one thing really well as opposed to trying to get Roddy at this point yeah. in his career where, you know, he still has some skill, but there isn't anything that you, you're going to sit there other than maybe, I guess, blocking at this point that you're going to be like, yeah, he does that, you know, better than anybody else that we can get. How do you guys feel about tight end? Ours. Season all season long. I mean, you know, we lost um, Tammy and then Hooper was kind of forced to play, kind of splitting with Toy Lolo. Like who, what do you guys think about that? Do we need a tight end? I think it depends what happens with Tammy if they're going to re-sign him because obviously Tammy's going to be a free agent at the end of going to 2017. So, yeah, I, th- I think they could bring him back. But at the same time, I'm interested to see what Perkins could do because I think Perkins looks like a natural receiver. But then again, also Toy Lowell is a free agent. So I think one new tight end is going to be brought in regardless because I think it's pretty clear that this team likes using three tight end sets and they want to block. You notice these tight ends, they are constantly blocking. And you don't see many packages where like they're using extra offensive alignment those days are over they trust toy lolo and hooper and re- much recently dj tivalea to block i'm cool letting levine go if we can uh if it you know unless he's asking for cheap money big play levine aaron that's a guy <laughs> yeah i mean he's like he's like your boy nick williams he always seems to make one 40 yard catch a week yeah he does but i feel like he also like, I'm saying his name negatively a lot sometimes <laughs> at Red Zone. Where I'm like, God damn it, Toy Lolo. I feel like that comes out of my mouth a lot. He, like, misses a block and it goes for, like, negative two yards. Mm. God damn it, Levine. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I mean, that's. I, I'd like to see Hooper step it up in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah he should be healthy. I'm glad he's coming back. I, I think, you know, he's coming back when we need him. Yeah, this bye week really helps us. I mean, uh... Uh, Beasley, you know, banged himself up a little bit in the last game. You know, he came back and finished the game, but it's like, let's let everybody rest. Let's watch all these games, and let's all do what no one admits that they do when you have a bye week in the playoffs. Secretly root for short-term injuries while you sit on your couch and watch. I mean, I don't want Aaron Rodgers to break his knee and retire, but if he gets a nice two-week fucking concussion, I am not complaining. (laughs) I, look, I you know I got I think the Falcons beat the Seahawks because um, Chris Clemens, their defensive end, tore his ACL in that Redskins game. You know that RG three yep. ended up getting hurt. I, like I think him being out of that game was a big reason why Quiz and Turner, you know, were able to run down Seattle's throat in that game, and, and the Falcons yep. didn't really have to worry about uh, that pass rush and, and that defensive line giving them too much trouble because Tyson Claybo owned uh, Bruce Irvin in that game when Irvin was still a rookie and, and still, you know, like 235 pounds soaking wet. Right. Huh. Yeah, we'll see. I I think we all should keep in mind Gabriel didn't play against New Orleans, so getting an extra week off should help him a lot. Yep, that is true. That is true. Yeah, so. yeah week 17, he was out. And he was like a game-time scratch where they're like, nah, you know what, let's – all right. I think him and Aldrick Robinson are the same person. <laughs> Dude, they move like it when you think about it. Like I, I sometimes forget this when you see Andre Robinson running like a route, regardless of what it is. Dude, he just explodes off the line of scrimmage. You know, it's interesting, and I don't know if anybody's. I I haven't mentioned it. And I don't know if anybody else has even mentioned it or talked about it. 
has this ever happened before? Every one of our receivers, their numbers are in the teens. <laughs> wow, I, yeah. Yeah, I never made that connection. Yeah. Jones. From 10 to 19. Yeah. 10 to 19. 19 yeah. is Robinson. 18 is Gabriel. 11 is Julio. 12 is uh, Sanu. 12 is Sanu. 16 Hardy. Um, 15 is Williams. Is Justin Hardy. 14 is Williams. Yeah. 14 is Eric Weems. I forgot about Weems, yeah. It's a new era, just like Beasley's 44. That's like the most weirdest but number But they had possible. to consciously plan that, right? They had to be like, hey, man, let's do this as a group. And then no one ever talked about it. Yeah. yeah. That would be one of those, one of the 9,000 boring questions that you get if you do make the Super Bowl on Media Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good it, point. It, if that comes out on Media Day, you say you heard it here first on the podcast. There you go. And the only reason I noticed that is because I have to have, I have rosters in my pocket for every team on red zone. And I was looking up, I was looking at our receivers early in the season because I didn't know 18 or 19. I didn't know if it was which one was which because they have the same height. Mm -hmm. So I saw 19 caught it, but I'm like, God, is that Robinson or is that Gabriel? So when I was looking, I'm like, look at that. All of those receivers, none of, they're all in the teams. Uh, so yeah, be inter- that's interesting. I don't know if anybody's ever done that before. I mean, because it wasn't that long ago when you could start wearing teens as a receiver. Yeah, yeah, right. That's, I think that's been for a while. It was all in the eighties. It was all in the eighties for a while. Not yeah. not the decade, the eighties, but receivers were in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember like Roddy White, Algie Crumpler, and all that. Finnerton. Yeah, when Jenkins, I think Jenkins was like the first guy we had that had a number in the teens, right? Oh yeah, that's right, Michael Jenkins. Jenkins. Right, I forgot I forgot about Michael Jenkins. He was okay for what was he twelve, number twelve? Yeah, yeah, we were talking about him last week. Was all right for a while, really? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about him. He was a guy that it was like I, I had no beef with Jenkins for a while. I pretty much said the exact same thing too. last week. Yeah, yeah, he was solid too. He did what he did what was asked of him. Now the problem was he didn't do more than what was asked of him. <laughs> Such as a number two wide receiver, it's like uh, we kind of need you to get like sixty five catches. He would give you like fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's like you know, you want a number two to yeah, exactly. You want like a great number two is like seventy catches, thousand yards, and eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You, know, you wanted what Bolden did with Fitzgerald on the other side. Oh, that's the dream scenario. Yeah, so that uh, is the dream scenario. Jason, we got to wrap up soon, but I want to ask you. Because obviously the last time they made the playoffs, 2012-2013 season, what's you, between this team and now the current team, what, have you, what are you feeling more confident with trying to look back on that 2012-2013 squad? Oh, that's a good question, man. Because remember, they had Roddy Whoa. Julio and Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, that was our bread and butter. Um, I'm going to say our backfield. Our backfield is totally different. And I think our backfield is different than any other backfield that's in the playoffs right now. Because you've got teams like Seattle that are picking people off the street, asking UPS drivers what their 40 time is. And you know what I'm saying, man? And then you've got these, but then you've got these other teams in the playoffs that have these workhorse, like, like where in, in uh, Kansas City or Ezekiel Elliott, you've got these guys that they need them to get 30 touches. You have no idea what our backfield is going to do. Both of them can line up at receiver. Both of them can be in the same formation. Both of them are completely capable of gashing you for 25 carries, 122 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah. Our backfield, they are interchangeable. They are the definition of interchangeable to me. You know, they both can do what the other one does. I mean, I think uh, uh, Freeman's a little craftier, and I think uh, Coleman's going to truck, truck, truck stick you a little more or something like that. But I think our backfield, I think our backfield is, is uh, what I like more from this team than that team. Yeah, because you saw, I think it was the Monday night game with New Orleans. They almost had 300 total yards put together, and they basically just took over that game. They just destroyed New Orleans. I mean, until he got hurt, uh, Coleman was leading the NFL in touchdowns. And then you look at last year's team, uh, it was the other way around, where um, – Coleman got hurt early, and then uh, Freeman took over and just like pretty much put himself on the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I mean, he was a fantasy star last year. I mean, in fantasy this year, it's kind of hard to guess with those two. You almost liked when one of them, not as a Falcon fan, but if you're playing fantasy and you had one of the two, you almost liked when the other one had a high ankle sprain and they were resting him for a while or whatever. It's crazy, though. I, there were some weeks where both of them were scoring touchdowns. Like That's how good this offense was. Like Both of them were really productive. Yep. So. There were a couple games this year, and maybe even if it was just for a half or whatever, where our offense – I'm like, oh, this is what it feels like to be a Golden State Warriors fan. <laughs> it really was. Just bam, bam, stuff it down your throat. I mean, they, and I, again, when I say that we've done what we want to you, it's man, we're out thinking people. I mean, when you when you're defensively scheming against a team that 14 different people have caught touchdown passes and they have a two-headed monster in the backfield, you better have a pretty deep playbook because you don't know what we're coming at you with. Mm-hmm. You look at the Cowboys, and you're like, hey, man, if we can contain Dak, uh, Prescott, and you can stop Ezekiel, you can beat that team. What are you going to do? Have, how many defensive plays do you want to try to stop Aldrich Robinson? How much time do you want to spend in practice worrying about him? You have to worry about Julio, and then we kill you with everything else. Yeah. yeah. Pick your poison. Yeah. And Julio, for once, you know, receivers are such prima donnas always. Julio has been really, um, I think, a, a real team player this year. With it. You know, he would have those huge games, but then next week, Ryan would throw five touchdowns, and none of them are to Julio. And, you know, they're like, hey, how do you feel you didn't get in the offense? He's like, we won by 22. I don't care. I don't get... I am 100% healthy. My uniform is, doesn't have a grass stain on it. Uh, I'm pretty cool. No, yeah, I don't need so... to get killed every week. You know, and to somebody where you're like, wow. We're doing the opposite of what Detroit has done with Megatron. I mean, that, that guy's – his body has played 16 NFL seasons, and he's like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, he played nine years, but his body had played 16. <laughs> and if and you we don't could, have to get that wear and tear on Julio right now, it's like, why? And you, you know, when you think why, about why, it, Julio has suffered more bigger injuries. Look, that broke his foot in 2013. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to not have to force it to him all the time. And especially if he's seeing double coverage and we got these other quick guys and we can use somebody that good as a uh, uh, bait. Um, yeah, man, cool. Because <laughs> he's going to leave that game healthy. We get one more game with Julio. Exactly. Jason, where can people follow you on Twitter? And if you want to plug anything else you got coming up. Uh, sure, man. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, follow me at the Teeb, T-H-E-T-E-E-B, on Twitter, you can see all my gigs and dates and uh, all the posts. Uh, PunchDrunkSports.com. You can go there and check out our uh, old episodes and, and the new one stream live every Tuesday. And then uh, first week of February, my uh, uh, new comedy album comes out called Return to the Red State, which I recorded uh, in Indiana right before the Trump election. So. I'm excited for that, guys. And then I'll, I'll tweet all that and anybody links to it and all that sort of stuff. So, guys, rise up. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. Thanks, as always, for having me. It's one of my favorite pods to do. I love talking X and O's with you guys. Um, I really appreciate you guys having me on every time you do. Thanks for coming on, Jason. You're the man. Yeah, we appreciate it. All right, guys. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Rise up. Absolutely. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Right, See man. you, man. See you, brother. Where can people find you? I am at Falk Fans. Alan, where can people find you? Alan underscore Sterk. That's A double L E N underscore S T R K. So we'll be back Tuesday. We're going to have a fun interview planned. We got uh, someone that you might recognize. You might see him on TV every now and then. So be on the lookout for that. And then Wednesday, we'll be doing our breakdown, whether it's Detroit, Seattle, or Giants, Green Bay. We'll be re- reviewing that game and then tie into what the Falcons can expect. Do like a little preview there, a little All-22 breakdown. And then we'll be back to our usual schedule. Uh, we'll be focusing on whoever the Falcons play and previewing that for the entire week. Yep. That's uh, it's on deck for you guys next week. Uh, you know, four episodes as opposed to uh, the usual five. But, uh, yeah, it'll be a, a, a jam-packed week to previews and getting you guys geared up for you know the falcons uh big playoff win as we said because you know this is uh 
this is us in, uh, or at least me, in optimistic mode. So I'm, I'm feeling good about this team, and you know we'll be talking about that all next week. Yeah, so enjoy the weekend, stress-free for you Falcon fans. And uh, I know the wild-card slate looks pretty underwhelming, but I think Green Bay against New York is going to be pretty compelling. I don't know about an instant classic because Eli Manning's playing, and I, I think he's not very good at this point, but you get the idea. So enjoy your weekend, and we'll be back Tuesday. See you guys on Tuesday. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.